Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to our podcast. This is week two of our... um, I don't remember. What's the name of the podcast? I forgot. <laughs> Behind the Sermon. Behind the Sermon. I'm here with Pastor Jeremy, who I improperly introduced last week, and Pastor Nate. And uh, we're excited because we get to dive into Pastor Jeremy's uh, second week in in, this, in the sermon series, Deeper, which was my favorite sermon you have done. Oh, I really thought thanks. you knocked it out of the park this time. Thanks. Um, just in FYI, I forgot to tell you that yesterday. But, Thank uh, you. I appreciate you, that. Yeah, you definitely... I don't know. It was one of those moments where I was like, wow, he grew a lot between sermons. <laughs> like, <I don't> know. <laughs> between the last one and this one. Yeah. What was the last sermon you preached before this one? Oh, uh, I don't know. It was in, it wasn't in Kingdom Builders. I don't even remember. The last one was one I think that was prepped for me. So that's always, it's a, it's hard, but still fun. Like it's a fun challenge when we have like, here's the general outline. But sometimes I don't internalize the information the same. And so when I do it from scratch, I think that's one thing that makes it a little easier. But Well, let's break that down for a little bit because yeah. some people might not know what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah prep for, sure. for me. So we, when we're walking through a sermon series, uh, when location pastors preach, it can, it can come from a variety of ways. So you have, like this week, I gave Jeremy the topic and the scripture yeah. and said write us write a message and that was all he had the scripture maybe i think we had one like three minute conversation about yeah. what i was thinking and then we have other sermons where location pastors write it together somewhere i will write the sermon for them the general outline and somewhere one location pastor will write it for everybody else yeah the reason we do that is because it grows us in different ways um and if you are given an outline, you'd think that would be easy, but sometimes it makes it more difficult. Yeah. And um, as we learn how to write better outlines, it gets more helpful. Like sometimes I don't think my outlines are helpful yet. And the one <laughs> thing they all hate the most is when I say, this week, preach on anything you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. But thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It was no a really fun sermon to, to write. Yeah. I thought... Um, one of the stories that I remember hearing that it made me think of, um, so, you know, in Arizona, they have, you know, you can imagine, like, in Native American culture, they do smoke signals a lot mm-hmm. in Arizona, and, you know, so there's this little kid, and he's standing there, and he's doing smoke signals and talking to his friend, and then, like a nuke goes off and he just sees this giant explosion of smoke and he just thinks, man, I wish I'd said that. That's how I felt <laughs> listening to your sermon. <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> so yeah. So we are in the, we're in the second week of deeper, um, which has the verse, um, Lord, not everyone who says Lord, Lord yep. to me will, um, enter into the kingdom of heaven, which is, I think that's a verse for me that feels like it should cut against kind of the, our, our like some of the theology that you hear growing up in mm-hmm. Pentecostal cultures. It feels like it shouldn't fit with what we do because, you know, we have a very strong like, oh, belief in Jesus is what yeah. gets you saved. But it seems like this is contradicting that. 
And so that it can be a weird verse to yeah, wrestle sure. with. And I don't know what if you guys have like how you wrestle through that verse or how you wrestle through um, what it has to say. Well, it connects with James, you know, um, faith without works is dead. Mm. And it always breaks down to the understanding that if you truly love Jesus, then you follow Jesus. Mm. And we're hitting that this week. We're hitting that in our, in our sermon coming up on Sunday. Yeah where we have all these excuses not to go to the places he tells us to go. But ultimately, if we're truly a follower of him, then um, then what happens is... Sorry, there's a lot of finger-pointing and things going on. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me stop for a second. Alexa, turn off. <laughs> <laughs> we have music, worship background. Um, so... I don't remember what I was saying. Faith without works is dead. Yeah. Yeah. If you're truly following him, then you go where he tells you to go and you do what he tells you to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the things he tells you to do are are outrageous. But if you take an identity, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I, I believe in Jesus, but you don't ever actually do anything to obey him, follow right. him, try to get to know him. Then you end up in this situation. Yeah. But I said, Lord, Lord, three times a day, I did everything right right religiously, but he never actually did anything that he told you to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I thought, I mean, even just working through like what I was telling people they should be feeling, I want to, I wish I, uh, I should just try and pick a verse and pretend I'm going to preach it that week because I always read things a lot more seriously <laughs> Like <laughs> when I know I'm going to teach it because I don't want to stand there and say something idiotic and wrong, right? Yeah. But still, reading through that and then thinking through, like, all right, what do we have to learn about this verse? Like, oh my gosh, there is a wrong way to do this. Mm. Like that idea, like that is, it is kind of scary, but even still talking through like what you're saying, it's it's true, like, why are we calling on his name? Which, which really that story that I had shared was something that I, that you had talked through of Mm. Jesus becoming this word of power for people. They thought it was just added to the magic, to the magic words they could say. And that was something that you had told me. And uh, I thought that was like perfect for this. Like, Oh yeah. Like people can call in the name of Jesus just to move themselves forward. Yeah. You know what I mean? Move themselves yeah. forward on this earth and like with their secular friends, like, you know, even at my workplace, like people thought I was, pe- people would try and do it for me. They thought I was better in some ways than them because I was a religious person. Mm. So like they were talking about drinking, they'd be like, Oh, don't, don't talk about it. Jeremy doesn't do stuff like that. Like he's, he's a way, sm- he's way smarter than us. We do this. Like it was a weird thing that I was just like, I'm not any better, guys. Yeah. I'm not any better than you guys. It's it, that like that's like, that's like the weird, like people weirdly acknowledge <laughs> yeah. their own shortcomings. Like that's one of the things that I think, and it's kind of a side tangent, but it's like that's one of the things that has always fascinated me about like kind of when you see it in the Christian culture. Like we can't, we have to be so careful not to offend, blah, 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 mm. not to tell people that they're this or that they're a sinner. I don't think there's a person on earth who doesn't acknowledge that already and yeah. like realize their own shortcomings. And so most people aren't gen. Like, I feel like more Christians are offended when you tell them they're a sinner than non-Christians would be mm. offended when they hear it. 
like there's this mentality and and I think that that seeps into kind of the story of like the people who say Lord Lord like they have that posture of like no no yeah. no I'm good I'm fine yeah. I'm, I'm this there is no sin in me that would prevent me from relationship with God and I think this verse is kind of hitting at that yeah on a pretty deep level for sure you know so but you made me think of um, like the people who are like hey can I borrow a light and you're like oh no thanks I don't smoke and they're like good for you. Good for you. I do like that whole idea of like people willing to call out in themselves, like, well, you're just so much better than me because you serve Jesus. And I'm, I just, I'm a sinner. I do what I want. Yeah. And it's always like weird that they would acknowledge that when that's not really the truth. We're not better. We're better off. We're not mm. better, but we're better yeah. off. No, I think that's right. And I think one of the things that that makes me think of is, um, there's this, in mere Christianity, CS Lewis talks about, uh, the he talks about hey oftentimes the prostitute is closer to Christ than the than the woman sitting in the pew mm. and he talks about that mentality of like both of them are far from God but you'd be surprised which one is closer yeah and and, and working through that in your own faith and I think this verse kind of underlines that pretty deeply mm. in that in well that why is that because one it's it's whoever recognizes. I need a savior. Yeah. And when you're sitting in a pew and participating in religious activity, you don't think I need a savior. You think I'm good. I'm, I'm checking every box. Yeah. I'm doing everything. I'm saying the prayers. I'm doing the hand motions. I'm, I'm tithing my mustard seeds. I'm doing everything right. that I need to do. So I don't have to, I, so I'm good. Mm. Uh, but, Again, we know from the Old Testament and the law, we can never be good enough. We can never yeah. be good enough to go to heaven. There's no such thing as a good person who gets to heaven. It's only through Jesus. And sometimes the worse you are, the more you realize that. Like, I've screwed up my whole life. But if you have a great life, sometimes it's hard to realize that. Yeah. That was one thing, like, after I was talking to some people after the message that was probably one thing I should have hit on more in the sermon. Like I talked through God's laws, helping you see the heart of God, but it also does that. Like it helps you see that you need a savior. And that was probably something that I really should have connected in there because that is really important that we see like the law is so like vast and just so much that it, it shows like, we're not going to, we're not going to do this right. Like we're not going to do a good job. And that was probably one thing I would have liked to add in, into describing like what God's law was. Mm. So here we are. Now everyone yeah. knows. Yeah. 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 You get it. Yeah. You can <laughs> backfill it. I like a round two. There we we can add to it through the podcast. <laughs> oh, I missed this. So yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. And then I think Pastor, you wanted to talk about novelty and the idea of novelty a little bit. Oh yeah. And because Jeremy did a good job setting that up and, um, and hitting that idea. So in the beginning of your message, mm -hmm. you were talking about we're always looking at new experiences instead of looking toward Jesus. Yeah. And um, so I did some additional research on that idea. Mm -hmm. um, and what the language you can look up if you want to look up yourself is 
the the keyword to look up is novelty. So I done a, uh, looked up a few different things like um, why do we always want new things? You know, why is our iPhone 12 no good for us? Why do we need yeah. the iPhone 13? Yeah. Why do we, you know, our car with that has nothing wrong with it, but we need the newer model? Uh, why is that? And that's novelty. It's always needing a new experience. And what happens is when you experience something new, then you have all these chemical reactions in your body. So, um, so it does produce dopamine. So every time... So what happens is we go searching for something new in order to receive that dopamine. It's why some people go shopping. It's yeah. why some people are, um, you know, doing Netflix and chill with a different people person every weekend <laughs> uh, because that. So when novelty wears off your job, your marriage, then, then we're looking for that new experience. But right. to have a deeper walk is not to always be looking for something new, uh, you know, it's not a. It's not a. Um, a new church, right. or a new worship song, right? Or it's going further into Jesus and further into Him. And the one thing about Him is, so He's infinite. Yeah. And one scripture that comes to mind is, His mercies are new every morning. So the novelty of Jesus never wears off. So we don't ever have to search for something new. It's not like, you know, going into our next sermon series. It's not like an Atari 2600 that <laughs> this is boring. Right. Now, what's the next system? What's the next new thing? Uh, I got, you know, Jesus was good. It was a good season of my life, but now I need something new. He he'll never he never wears off if we're mm. continually following him. There's no end to his goodness, there's no end to our experience with him, and there's no end really to him growing us and right. and uh, and stretching us. We never arrive as mm. Christians and as followers of Jesus. There's always more that he has for us. Yeah, and I think even he kind of reference Jesus references this a little bit when he talks about like what the place of the law is, and he says, "Listen, not not a." an ounce of the law will disappear or go away. And he's kind of expressing this thing. Like, it's not that I'm, there's a new covenant, but it's just, it's just me. It was already fully realized or fully shown in the old. Like there's no, no, there it's almost in his, mo, in his words, he's not creating. He's like, look, you already had access to this. You had access to understanding this. I'm just showing you what you should have been able to find the whole time. Mm. What was already there, what was already laid out for you. I've already revealed it all. Now I'm here to show you what that actually looks like in a lot of ways. And so he even like kind of shows that thing because you can end up with some people who disregard the Old Testament or disregard the older things mm. or, you know, disregard a lot of like even church traditions and things like that. And, that idea of novelty, I think, has even infiltrated our theology, where it's like, oh, yeah, that was good for then, but now we have a new theology, or we have new things that we're beginning yeah. to believe, and it's that novelty theology that pops up all the time. I mean, 
I've, I've seen it a million different places in my life where I just see people believing weird things because they're novel and they're new or this new prophet or something like that pops up with this new understanding right. or this new thing super, super easily. I think it happens all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> I think of a bunch of situations in my head, but probably none I can share. <laughs> um, I know the. I heard a story. This, the, is it the the Diderot effect? Is what this is? They call it. It's about a, a guy who was poor, which I think we. I should have said this when we were talking through. Like you think about not knowing Jesus and then finding Jesus. Like this guy was poor all his life. Dennis Diderot lived in poverty, and then he finally gets into all this wealth. He becomes the richest person in his area and buys this scarlet robe. And now that he sees how nice his robe is, he looks at his chair in his living room, and he's like, oh, uh, yeah. this chair isn't worth my robe. I need to buy a new chair. And he buys a new chair, and then he, he suddenly needs to be upgrading everything. But that idea of, like, I had a great moment. This is great. Well, my, you know, the current moment I'm in doesn't match the moment I'm having. I need to find a new church that brings this this new feeling I need to upgrade like this idea of like this church was good for the season I was in, but now I know Jesus and I'm going to look for a new thing or maybe this worship song was good for the season I was in, but now I need an upgrade and to find something. But, and then even I was thinking through like what happens is so that ends up with a shallow, right? I, I think that leads shallow. So I've been part of restoration church 35 years. Yeah. Have every one of those 35 years been good? No. Have they all been fruitful? No. Have they all been healthy? No. There's some miserable years in our church's past that I was a part of. Uh, when our church moved from Dover to Barrington, uh, I think it was 1993, the church prior to that was like probably 200 weekend, 200 people a weekend. When we moved, 140 people left. It went mm, from wow. 200 people to 60 in a week's time, maybe two weeks' time. And the giving dropped, and it was that it was probably the next ten years was difficult. But you end up with deeper relationship, deeper faith, yeah. deeper church community that you stick it out. And so I I never left, and I started having friends who left. You you know, they left our when we were like seventeen. They left our church to go to the cool church because our church wasn't cool when I was yeah. seventeen. <laughs> And I remember being really angry at them. Like, don't you have loyalty? Like, we grew up here. You know, we were discipled by these older people. And we're just going to abandon them because that church next door is cooler. Yeah. It made me so mad. Anyway, I. No, yeah, my that... two cups of coffee. <laughs> no, I, almost no. three cups of coffee are, aren't helping me to finish my thoughts this morning. <laughs> no, that's good. You made me think, which we could finish up this idea of like looking for novelty. I think there's another aspect that we didn't talk too much about. Cause, uh, cause obviously we, I wanted to try and teach to some newer Christians and even some Christians who have been Christians for a while that I knew like need to hear a message like this, but there is another aspect of a shallow walk that I think we could talk through of um, instead of always searching for, the next best thing, like holding on to that one good thing that you had. Right. So like you hit that a lot of the generations, like you still hear people from the seventies being like, we need a revival because that it was really good then. And that must be what we need now. 
and I just thought like that's another aspect of a shallow walk that that we didn't really hit on. And it makes me sad because you think through there are some Christians too that like they're still today holding on to the worship music they got saved to. Mm. And in a way, like whatever, that's not bad. But I feel sad for them because it makes me feel like they can't feel a connection with God unless they reminisce right. to something older. And so when you sit down with a group of Christians, you're like, what songs do you guys want to sing? Like whatever, you guys want to do worship. And then all the songs coming out are like really old from when they got saved. And it's almost like they can't find a new thing. So they just keep reverting back. That's just something yeah, that you're, I... You're stuck. Yeah. And God's not able to ever do anything new. What happens is you quickly... What happens is you're no longer worshiping Jesus. Mm. You're, you're worshiping an experience which can happen with new music, all right? So if you're used to modern modern worship and then you, we go like we go to events at other churches yeah. and then you know and they're singing trading my sorrows. Yeah. And then you just like disconnect. Oh, yeah. this is so old, this is so boring. I can't worship Jesus with such boring music. And that's the same, that's the reverse. Like that's right. the, the but that's the same problem. No, we're worshiping Jesus. Yeah. And he has to be our sole focus. So think about this, all right? Who had it harder than the Christians uh, on the day of Pentecost and the, you know, the next 15 years? They spent their whole life worshiping God in the temple. Mm. That was how you did it. You worship God. You go to the temple, you yeah. worship God. In a short amount of time, they were no longer allowed in the temple Fast forward to 70 AD, the temple no longer exists. Mm, yeah. And so they have to learn how to worship God in their home. Well, I can't worship God in my home. I have to be in the temple. Yeah. I have to be near the Holy of Holies. I have to, well, God's not in the Holy of Holies anymore. God's not in that song from 1950s. God's not in that hymn. God's not in that song from last week, you know, the new song we're singing. Yeah. God is everywhere. He's in our heart. We're the temple. So we don't need a pipe organ or an electric guitar or a drum set or even an on-key singer to worship him because that mm. comes out of our heart. Yep. And a deeper walk worship it, worships him no matter who's on stage, yeah. no matter what the building looks like, mm. no matter what year the song was written, no matter if we're in a concentration camp or in a resort yeah. hotel. He's our savior. We we worship him, yep. and deeper, a deeper walk. Worship is able to worship him no matter, no matter what the circumstance. And on a lighter note, I don't know who needs to hear this, but our lyrics did not peak in the '90s as Christian music goes. <laughs> our lyrics did not peak. We can move forward from that. But no, you made me think through. I think the that really made me think of the story when they finished rebuilding the temple after exile in Babylon had been destroyed, and they're rebuilding the temple. Um, they have the moment where it's done and they go to celebrate and it's the first sacrifice. And it talks about how the, all the young people celebrated and the old wept for they knew what the old mm. temple used to look like. And they're devastated and they're upset and they're angry and they're mad because the new isn't as good as the old. But at the same time, the new is where God would walk one day. Like Jesus would walk into that temple and they couldn't see that. And it made me think through like overwhelming nostalgia, like ruins future blessings from God. 
and they couldn't see yeah. beyond what was happening in that moment. And and it's that it was that oh, but what we used to have was so much better. It's like well, yeah, but one, the two things that happened out of the exile were one, the Jewish people never were idolaters again. Like how beautiful is that? They were exiled, and when they come back, the old people are like, man, this isn't what it used to be. It's like well, no, it's better. You they never strayed away from God again. They always, they stayed mm. people who worship God. Like after the exile, you never have them worshiping Baal. You never have them worshiping with the Canaanites. They never resorted into idolatry again. Yeah. And it's like, man, you missed that because all you looked at was how pretty the temple was, not how your hearts had changed forever. And it's this like sad moment of weeping when it should have been rejoicing because the people were different forever. Yeah. Well, I... I I don't remember when I preached on that. It was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Where we went through a series on Ezra. Um, I get that. Mm. All right. Because I lived that. <laughs> <laughs> when the new miracle is not as big as the former miracle. Mm. All right. So we had 58 water baptisms this year, if ne if or in 2021. If in 2022 we have 35, what are we going to do? We're going to be like oh, <laughs> Last year was so much better. This yeah. year we didn't get and we'd be, and we'd be we'd we'd look at the size of the two miracles. Yeah. Instead of celebrating the 35 right new new years or new lives. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I think that's a challenge. 100%. It's just a challenge. God, his new miracles is not always bigger and better, but it's always a miracle. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and it's always like continuing. And we, hopefully, it, it's always deeper for your heart. Like that's yeah. the thing. Like even if it's even if it's not bigger, it's moving you more, and it's changing you because it's it can be built on the back of what you've right. already come before. Um. Hopefully, you know, that's kind of the goal. But yeah, that's what that's kind of one of the things I think of. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we struggle we talk about this all the time. We struggle with this all the time as a challenge for us in our work environments and our faith and things like yeah. that. The challenge of um being content but never satisfied. I don't know, is that the right way? Is yeah, that the right way to you, say it? You always worded it being yeah, being like completely being completely content where we're at, but never satisfied. Like you did something like we need to be thankful for every moment we're in, in our church ministry, in our lives. And like, not just always be like, man, but if only, you know, but we still need to have a sense of like believing for the future. So yeah, I never remember how you perfectly word it, but it's ingrained in my heart in that right. language. Yeah, I don't remember either. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Maybe three more cups of coffee, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm distracted because I'm trying to figure out... Um, well, first off, I preached that series in 2018. Yeah. Um, it was the Kingdom Builders series. Yep. But I'm, I wrote a devotional for the presbyters at the beginning of 2021 at a district meeting mm. and talking about when... When uh, when what's new isn't as good as what's old, thinking about the church post-COVID. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. how do we celebrate that the church grew, but it's smaller than it was two years ago? Mm. You know, and that's a reality for many, for, for many pastors. And you could just get stuck. You can just get stuck comparing. And you've all, it always has to be a celebration. Yeah. 
it has to be about a celebration. And what we don't want to do is um, like open that Christmas gift from God and then put on a fake smile and be like, thank you, God, you shouldn't have. <laughs> and But not ever really appreciating what he's done. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that totally, that makes, yeah, that makes complete sense. And I think it's like, it, it feels like an overwhelming challenge the church is going to face over the next 10 to 20 years in general. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I always, I look at where, cause Europe is usually a little ahead of the curve when it comes to like where they're at in faith and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, so I'm always looking at it and the number of faithful people we we see over in Europe who are, you know, doing an amazing job, but facing challenges we don't even begin to understand as culture becomes more and more secular. Yeah. And it's just we're just gonna have to get worked through it as pastors and as church leaders. It it might feel sometimes like we're playing for the losing team, but we never are. And right. working through that, like, you know, it might be that, you know, the revivals of the 70s and the revivals of even like the 90s might look a lot different in the next 10 to 15 years than they ever have yeah and just oh it definitely will yeah it definitely will because we we never know how god is going to move yeah and as soon as we think it we got it figured out all of a sudden he's dead on the cross and we're looking around like uh i thought he was about to be king yeah right he's dead yeah okay i misread that this didn't end the way it I is. It is nonstop. We cannot know yeah. how it's going to be, and that's why I hate such dogmatic positions on stuff. Yeah, we don't know. Right. We don't know how his second coming is going to like. There's some yeah. things we kind of all agree on. We're mm. probably all wrong. Yeah. Probably a hundred percent wrong. Completely misinterpreting and misunderstanding that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. It's like the, yeah, like you said, this we've we figured it out. It's it's like when we see the Facebook post where it's like, if only churches brought back the Sunday night service, then we'd see a real revival. <laughs> yeah, you know, if only they would do that. It's like we're missing the point if that's if that's what we're chasing after. And it's I don't know. It's like yeah, it's a chasing, it's chasing novelty, and nostalgia, nostalgia all simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. I want. New old nostalgia. I want new old miracles. Remember it was, I don't know, I'm going to say it. Remember when it was hard to replace the pews in Plymouth with comfortable chairs? Yes. Because like there were a couple people that were like, can't believe this church is getting rid of the pews. Like <laughs> those pews are awful. I couldn't stand up. I like, it was so uncomfortable. They were really too close together. They were I so don't remember together. people being mad about what I do remember uh, with the Plymouth building is that that building, which is an amazing building, yeah. that that really that God gifted us with, um, it had a glitter ceiling. Yeah, glitter. Yeah. So it's painted glitter. <laughs> so we painted it black because it, it just works with our aesthetic. And people, some people left the church. Yeah. Just yeah. because of the paint color. Yep. Uh, I don't care what you say. That is not a. That is not a, a deep. Yeah. Yeah. Walk. Well, I mean, that's we faced it in Milton on launch day. I remember this lady walked in, had been a part of the church. I'd never met her before. Yeah. But when before it had closed down, we'd taken it over, and she just came in with that attitude. I could feel, I could feel already the anger. Yeah. And she walked in, took one look around, and before service even started, uh, 
looked at the auditorium, looked at the paint, looked at her husband and said, we're leaving. I can't do this. And just walked out of the building. Mm. Just left before service even started. Hadn't even had a conversation with me. She refused to say hello. And she just walked in, took one look, and just left. Don't worry. A week you were gone, and I watched, and I, I watched Milton. Like, it's a child <laughs> I was babysitting. I was there to host yeah. in Milton, and I, someone did have a conversation with me. Yeah. It was very like, why black? We're the light of the world. And we, <laughs> I just, got <laughs> we just kept talking. And I finally was just like, hey, just so you know, like, there's, we're, we are not doing symbolism. <laughs> we just like, I just thought it looked cool. It I've, just, had a, I've had a bunch of conversations <laughs> about that, that, yeah. that are the, just the theology is so wrong. So back in 2006, when we, the first ceiling we ever painted black was in our youth <laughs> department room. And I was at a men's breakfast, and they're like, why black? Can't you paint it any other color than black? What about, like, dark brown? And I was just, like, perplexed. Like, what's the difference? And then it was this bad theology. Like, um, sin is black. So should we paint it the color (laughs) of darkness? And I'm like, no, sin is red. Look in Scripture. Nowhere is sin black in Scripture. It is red. And so it's just this... I'm mad at you painting it black. That's the color of sin. No, it's not. You're wrong. Well, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna correct me. I I believe what I believe. I'm not gonna. I had another. Like, why do we have to turn off the lights during worship? We, you, again, like that's darkness. We're supposed to be children of the light. Like, do you do you have lights on in your house all the time? Like, it <laughs> right. just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There's nothing in scripture that says you can't have the lights on or off. I wonder how dark it was when they were in the catacombs. <laughs> why are we have why are we worshiping where dead people are? We're supposed to be we're supposed to be new creations. What well because if we go out on the street we'll be killed. Like it's just right. doesn't make any sense. We have to again think deeper, live deeper. One day the whole you could walk in, the whole church will be hot pink because that's gonna be the aesthetic that's right. gonna help us to reach the next generation. We're pretty close to it. If you saw my winter jacket yesterday, <laughs> we're pretty close to it. No. And and it's just gonna be what it is. I promise you, we will make decisions that you two won't like yeah. because uh-huh. it's gonna be what is gonna help reach our the kids in our nursery. Yeah. When they're when they're twenty. We're going to be like, oh my word, this is bizarre. Yeah. Why are we doing worship with a didgeridoo? And <laughs> why is why are we in the metaverse right now for our small groups like that? But I wrestle through that all the time. Why are we in the metaverse? I wrestle through that all yeah, the time. I know, yeah. You know that whole mentality, like because I want the next generation to do what they what what works, and so I always have to check my heart. Yeah. Even sometimes with worship music, with um with ideas and with yeah. thoughts that people have, I'm like, I, I have to think through like, is this me feeling a check in my spirit because we're not stewarding God's kingdom well right now? Or is this me holding on to what I like? Yeah. And Fine. So- I'll let the interns start a church TikTok channel. <laughs> I've been saying it's stupid, but that's my old man coming out. Yeah. Nah, TikTok's going to die. TikTok's gonna I hate die. it. But it's, it's just my prayer, you know. But but it, we we can't. I mean, I remember Nate and I. We were talking about like during COVID. We're like, what does this mean? Should we sell every church building and be only an online church oh, from yeah. now until eternity? Like those are questions we legitimately wrestle through, and and have to figure out. Yeah, you have to you have to ask every question. Yeah, you have to. You have to. Again, part of living t- deeper 
is not holding on to anything but Jesus and his word, and not even a certain translation of his word. <laughs> it's his scripture. Yeah. To live deeper is not to read it in, in Old English mm. or even to compare it to the message. It's his word, and we've got to hold on to that yeah. and not all these other superficial things. Yep. We've got to chase him. Not all these other superficial things. Yeah. I had someone ask a question from uh, from this message. I thought maybe we could talk about because you guys, I think, would know better than me. But so talking through the laws, I went through like some of the crazy laws mm -hmm. going through that. And people were asking like, okay, so how how are we supposed to read it and find out which ones were meant for those cultural issues and what's meant for like for us to still try and walk through because obviously like we still talk through tithing and ta and taking a sabbath and working mm -hmm. through all these things but there were a lot that were like cultural do you guys have any 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 books that you found helpful or any way of studying that you found helpful for reading through god's law well there's three types of laws i don't know yeah. that i'll be able to Pull that up off the top of my head. I was You've got the mosaic laws, the cultural laws, and the third category. Is it, is it ceremonial? Ceremonial laws. And so it is um, navigating that. I'm trying to figure out what sermon I preached on it so I could yeah. look it up my notes. So yeah. there's, so I kind of divide laws into certain categories in my head. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know if this exists anywhere. I might be stealing it, but it's just how I do it. Um, there's ceremonial, which are things specifically related to the temple that are not possible to do today. So that, because okay. there's no temple, it doesn't yep. exist anymore. So you can't, you can't sacrifice properly. You can't do that. They're not possible. So we don't even really need to talk about those ones. There's moral laws, which are standing on a truth that, um, so that's things like, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not murder. Yeah. Yep. The 10 commandments, those type of things, they're moral. And so those tend to exist through time. Then you end up with food laws, civil, civil laws, civil laws. Yeah. Civil laws. So that's this, the law was not just for religious practice. It was running a nation, right? How so do you, yeah, here's how you handle debt. Here's how you handle crime. Yeah. Here's how you handle, um, selling things. Here's yeah. how you handle, um, you know, your monetary value, what things are worth. And mm -hmm. so all those things are put in there. The moral laws, we still live by. Yeah. Yeah. And the question is, what things are ceremonial, civil, and moral? Yep. And um, tithing, we would say, is a moral law, mm -hmm. not a... Not a uh, ceremonial law. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because we we took from it's the blessed life, right? Uh, he teaches through really well that tithing pre-existed almost the law. It, it definitely did because yeah. Abraham tithed, and the the law didn't happen till Moses. And what was that gap? Was that four hundred years? Uh, it was. Yeah, it, it was longer than four hundred. Yeah, it was four hundred something years because. Yeah, because I mean, it wasn't because it was 400 years that they were in Egypt, so it was even bigger than that. But and mm. then even you get you get Cain and Abel sacrificing to God, which was essentially a tithe a tithe action that's happening in yeah. Cain and Abel immediately following yeah. the exile from yep. the garden and God being displeased with one and not the other, which is like 
a, a deep thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you you have separate you have almost this uh, separate category they think of called separation laws, which set them apart from the people around them. Yeah. So that's where you get a lot of the food laws, right? Yeah, and things like that. And some of the food laws are really weird, but you see God's heart if you dig into them. So one of the examples I thought of when you were talking about it, that's one of my favorites, is um, you will not boil a goat, yeah. a baby goat, in its mother's milk. Which is a very strange yeah, law. It's very specific. It's very specific. It's very weird. But what is it saying? Like, think about how unnatural that feels if you think about it. Yeah. Like, you milked a mother goat and then boiled her child in it. Mm. Like, God's heart for compassion and love is written yeah. in that. Like, yeah. that's, not only that, he designed. I, I heard someone talk through. He designed that milk to be life giving to the goat, mm, and you're good. you're murdering the goat with it, <laughs> like that idea. But but yeah, no, that's pretty good. So could you think through too, though? Now we're talking about what did you say they were civil laws? Yes. Um, those laws. Why wouldn't those apply now? To uh, we should assume our government should function that way. Because uh, we're just not a, we're this. not um theocracy yeah theocracy so the people of Israel said God is our leader yeah well the people of Canada don't say that the people <laughs> of the United States don't say that yeah so I think that's the main okay. defining difference that's good and then the big thing is it didn't work oh. the theocracy didn't work it still needed Jesus if yeah. the theocracy was enough if just saying, oh, we're going to do this thing was enough, Israel wouldn't have been destroyed and wouldn't have had to have been rescued so many times and sent well, judges. The problem was they weren't satisfied. Yeah. They say, like, okay, God, you're fine, but we want uh, but but we want people. So then the judges came, then the prophets came, then the kings came. Yep. Yeah. And they were never they would never just follow God. And they could they Jesus still would have come if they lived out the theocracy. Okay, because God being head of the nation doesn't bring salvation. Yeah, Jesus still would have had to come, but they yeah. couldn't just exist. God, I just can't trust you. I need something else. And I think, you know, in closing, we do that too. 100%. Jesus, you're not enough. I need to feel goosebumps. Yeah. Jesus, you're not enough. I need to have a girlfriend or boyfriend. Jesus, you're not enough. I need... Um, I mean, I, whatever it is. I, I need to legislate this thing to put the country back on track. I need yeah. to... Jesus, you're not enough. I need old hymns. Jesus, mm. you're not enough. I need modern worship. Yeah. Jesus, you're not enough. I need a bigger paycheck. It's just, uh, you know, we we do the same thing. Mm. Uh, and um, so I just, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Cool. All right, well. Thanks for taking the time to talk about this, guys. Yeah, no problem. And uh, again, we're trying to start, um, where if people have questions, I want to try and really get people to message in. So you could message our Facebook or Instagram. Um, if you're a volunteer on our team, we have a Slack channel. Um, but we want to answer as many questions as we can so you guys can reach out to us. But I uh, hope you have a good week.